Hello, it's Maya, and this is by all means necessary, the podcast, as opposed to an expression. I have freaked out an A-level student in Cafe Nero this week, asking them, are they a university student because they look young as fuck? What have you done with your week? Well, if anything, I know you are happy that this February month of hostage victims and say this is has come to an end and you're all wondering what the hell am I gonna cover today? Well, a bit of a housekeeping. While I was researching, you know, these pieces of shit this month, I have also been listening to podcasts covering other two heavy hitters. So if you haven't had enough, there are two cases that I will probably never cover in this podcast. One is the case of Ariel Castro. Morbid podcast has covered him recently, so you can go listen to that. It's kind of, it is a similar case of kidnapping and then keeping somebody hostage, multiple victims for over 10 years. So the motives are kind of similar and it just makes me nauseous like 10 times while listening to the case. So yeah, probably not the best one for me to cover especially with inappropriate jokes. The second one that I will probably never cover on this podcast, but is important to listen to, is the one of Carl Panzram. This guy's whole life is kind of uh, a motive to, to his crimes. <laughs> you know how certain criminals luck out? This guy did not have such thing as luck in his life. It is sad and it's not justifying him, but boy, this life was just horrible. And... Um, the podcast that covers that well is the last podcast on the left. There is about three or four episodes just detailing everything from childhood onto his prison life and then his crimes. It's uh, yeah, it's yet another case that you will not want me to cover because you will be nauseous and then I will come in with a joke and an analogy of my own life and you you just won't like it. <laughs> the case of sort of light substance that I'm covering today is done so that I can direct you to a podcast that is doing a more in-depth job and uh, includes interviews of him and his associates and is about like 20 minutes per episode which is just such perfect length it's just such a refreshing thing to see so without further ado this is so polite so so middle english we were obsessed with his music, then obsessed with his criminal career. We'll do a dive into the motives behind his defense in trial and cover the motives behind his gang affiliation. This is a story of Takashi 69. asked myself a question right now and then I answered it to myself so let me share it with you it's sort of a rhetorical question you could say yes why are there no more gang podcasts and I hear you Maya we we love living we don't want to cover gangs because a lot of them are currently still active and that they can send people to find us I get you I get you but then if we don't cover any gang crimes, then we let media run the show and we let movie industry run it and they just inflate the portrayals of the rappers and gang members and then we just have that image and we don't ever discuss motives behind those crimes, right? Right, that's a justification for this whole episode. <laughs> Another strong entry that I have to make is this whole episode is going to simplify gang affiliation a lot. 
like you will be able to show this episode to you know a five-year-old and they will be able to understand it okay it's gonna simplify this whole case right please don't show this to your five-year-old like are you okay <laughs> speaking of kids can somebody explain the education system in the uk how many half terms are there why are there children on the tube everywhere can you can you tell i left the house <laughs> luckily i actually left it with somebody today so i wasn't just you know asking these kids on the tube are they accompanied by adults which is something i would have probably done considering i freaked out somebody at cafe nero so um uh, <sighs> gmail.com somebody explain why, why do people go to school for like six weeks and then have half term and then go back to sex what is life that's, that's too much free time that's too much parents money spent this has nothing to do with this case. Strong entry, I said, yeah. Who is actually Takashi69? And what the hell is his name all about? Okay, the second part, I'll answer later. Because it makes sense to put it in a story, okay? <laughs> Takashi69, his actual name is Daniel Hernandez. So he is an American rapper. His parents are Mexican and Puerto Rican, hence the name, and hence uh, his knowledge of Spanish and his uh, Spanish tunes. I'm not doing this as a fangirl. Let me make this clear, okay? This is a non-biased account of events. Why is this case in the news? It is because of the trial of nine Trey gangsters, which is the ongoing criminal case against 11 alleged members and associates of this street gang. And it's notable for the inclusion of the rapper 6ix9ine and his associate Shotty as defendants. So, during this trial, he was um, he pled guilty to racketeering and other offenses in New York, for which he his sentence was reduced from what was initially supposed to be 47 years to two years. In actuality, he should be actually out somewhere middle of um, midway through this year because he, he already served over a year in prison, so he only has a couple of months left to serve. So a few topics that we need to discuss when it comes to trial in order to understand the motive and to understand how this person is actually defending themselves and the dynamics of these gang associations, because we never covered gangs, did we? So you might wonder how was this sentence reduced so heavily? Well, Takashi is in the news because he testified against his co-defendants, and because of his full cooperation and insistence that he's not gonna commit any further crimes because, you know, he's out of the gang, if, if they all get in prison, it's all cool, he's, he's you know, he's clean. Testified against the other cool defendants means he snitched, yeah? Just uh, to clarify this for the five-year-olds listening to this podcast, okay? Um, yeah, snitches, get what? You know it. Now, what's important to understand is that there is 11 other people that he has testified against. That's now 11 people that have something against this guy that belonged to a gang. How safe is this guy's release this year? Let's just, let's just think about that for a sec. And not just that, but all of these other gang members got at least 10 years and above. So, of course, in comparison to what he got for testifying against them, that's nothing and people are not happy about it. So December 2019, so we're going a bit backwards to last year. So in December, Takashi was sentenced to two years in prison with credit for time already served. And he addressed the judge at his sentencing saying he's not a victim. He put himself in this position, which sort of cool. We'll discuss did he fully own this or not. Early in December, his mother, bodyguard and girlfriend all sent like letters of support to the court, vouching for him. 
explaining you know why he actually needs to have a reduced sentence and actually sort of what sealed his fate because what actually led to this trial was that earlier in December him and his associate mistakenly robbed a Rapalot records but not just his mom, girlfriend and you know family sent the letters so did the victims that experienced gang's crimes on their own skin Two individuals sent victim statements to the federal judge and one of the victims actually described this impact of the attack saying why should this person who nearly ended my life be free when I'm not free? September last year he testified against the gang members and he sort of like excluded himself. He said like his role was just to make music and make money and return the gang would offer the protection so he didn't get involved in any of the crimes, right? Of course is like when the family would catch me watching true crime shows and I'm like no 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 mom it's it's a rom-com it just got suddenly violent because the plot just makes sense that way now they're, they're gonna kiss in the next scene yeah let me just switch the channel <laughs> that, that scheme just like you know no I'm just hiding in the basement you know typing on this macbook while they're out on the streets like doing shit I don't know I have a blindfold on and this was when it was revealed that it was actually his driver who has been working as the informant. So it's actually not Takashi directly, but his driver who was technically a snitch in this whole situation. But then Takashi took over and uh, actually testified against. One important bit that sort of needs to be understood here is that Takashi is 22 right now. So throughout most of well, most of his gang life, actually, he was a minor. So it's only since, like, 2015, up until now, that some of the charges he actually had that kind of hold some gravity in court. Because, you know, like, once you're a minor, kind of everybody forgives you, and that's gonna happen a lot in this case, where the judge is just gonna be like, oh, you know, like, just do, do this, do some community work. And, you know, you'll be a new person, right? <laughs> They will not do anything else. And don't repeat the same mistake, right? It's like when your parents are cashing into your room and you are there, like, plotting the same, very same thing. Because spite, that's how it works. Especially on this level. Any chance I can get it to compare it to some parenting skills that I don't have. Just barely qualified to talk about true crime. But yeah, let's, let's give some parenting skills in every freaking episode. So back in 2018, a Manhattan judge actually revoked his four-year probation. So in 2015, when he was 18, he had a child sexual misconduct case. So again, he kind of like gets away with it easily. He's just... he doesn't even have to complete the thousand hours left of his community service for the offense from 2015. And this sexual misconduct case is declared closed. So how did actually all of this heat up and get to the trial? So in October in 2018, he was sentenced to three years probation, 1,000 hours of community service. After he pled guilty to the 2015 case, what he pled guilty to, though, was taking a part in making and disseminating a video that showed a 13-year-old girl giving oral sex and making sexual contact with others. He made a video disseminating he wasn't participating, of course, again, you know, yet again. Like, he's just there in the studio holding a camera, holding a microphone. He's, he's the gang sound engineer, guys. What What's not clear here? He had to celebrate this because he, like, he got scot-free, got probation again, doesn't have to serve time. So, 
He goes to have a dinner with a music executive in New York City, but he isn't allowed in, which obviously leads to a fight that ends in one person being shot. So now it's sort of when it starts heating up because he just literally came out of the court. Now two members of his entourage are charged with gang assault and his manager actually later turns himself in and is also charged with gang assault. But now they can also connect him to this gang because they obviously have evidence that he has that he has now been present in multiple cases wherever this gang was either robbing or wherever there was a fight that ended up in, in a shooting and now they're like, okay, so in every single case this guy has actually been present. And this is when he again then goes to the court in November 2018 and he actually gets charged. So November 15th, his debut album Dummy Boy comes out actually only three days before his arrest. And this release is important, not because some of the songs on this album are actually quite okay. <laughs> not gonna find girl here, okay? But because it goes into his favor of how they portray him in court. So, let's break down some of the court portrayals to again understand the motives behind it. So obviously there's a portrayal of family and everybody's supporting statements, you know, saying that he joined the gang to gain street cred. And again, what his defense lawyer does here is so typical for any famous person's trials. It's just everybody that you can think of, from, I don't know, OJ, to like Aaron and London, like everybody, like they do this and it just works. And how has nobody, like, how is nobody clocking that this is something that they're just using and it constantly works as a defense? So, what they do is they separate the artist from the person. So, it's like there is Takashi69 and then there is Daniel Hernandez. Daniel Hernandez is a great father to his little girls, he has these family connections, he has only been affected because his stepfather died in the past, and then Takashi is this person who is a musician, you know, who is passionate about his career, but he has made some, some dumb mistakes on the way. So the lawyer's direct quote is and that he's an entertainer who portrays a gangster image to promote his music, but that does not make him a member of an enterprise. Again, how does this defense work so well? To the point where it's like, no, we, we respect the art, but then like, look at him as a human, so you should actually look at him separately in both ways. How, how is he suddenly three different people? Or at least two different set personalities? This always boggles me because it always works as a defense. We know people who haven't been connected, or they, who in this case, have had severely reduced sentence, yes, partially because he went against like 11 other people and told him, told them the ins and outs of the gang and the, their activities. But again, partially because it's just what these defense lawyers do. And they sort of represent this thing like, so what Takashi would do is that he would constantly call people out on the social media, mostly on Instagram. So he had like famous feuds between multiple people. So what the lawyer was actually saying is like, almost always, the first interaction with him will be negative. Like, I'd find some of the social, pe uh, social media, leave some nasty comments, you know, have a diss track about them, whichever way he would prefer to do it, and then dare them to fight him. And then, like, when they would actually meet up, he'd, like, disarm them with kindness, he would be this totally non-threatening guy, and he would quash this beef, like, explain it's all a misunderstanding, and then they would be, like, best of friends. 
And yet again, I get that this is good as a defense, but how many personalities can, can one person have? We have the victim's portrayal of, of the very last robbery, so they had like some victim statements. So this is from the robbery that happened in 2018 where they robbed the record shop instead, I think they said mistakenly, they robbed the record shop instead of the record's owner's house. How, how do they mistakenly do that? Are we at that point that we don't understand how record shop looks like compared to somebody's house? Like how did this guy's house look like? Like was it, was it full of records for sale with like price tags on it? What is like, is anybody smart in this game? But so like what mainly went against him was the victim statements from this attack because they detailed how they suffered from it. So the victims said like never have I been so scared as the cold hard metallic gun was pressed against my abdomen. Another victim said they have suffered mental anguish and emotional distress. That even after a year later they have had a difficult time getting past the incident and they suffered from what we believe is a post-traumatic stress disorder. And this victim actually said that the video of her escaping from the clutches of the thugs on social media went viral, accumulating millions of views as the public laughed, so that that was contributing to her PTSD as well. Which again, we don't think about, do we? When we like just shoot something like this on the street. Which yes, to one extent is great if it's just used as evidence, but then to another extent people today just want to post it out on, on social media. The way social media plays into this case and to everything here when you're talking about psychology and motives is again one of those rare things that you only see nowadays. It can actually hold so much power into this case, so much power in court and when it comes to these cases as well. So don't underestimate the way social media plays into anything here. So we have now how Daniel portrays himself, how the victims portrayed him, and then, well, the gang basically that he testified against. Well, it's like his associates actually said that everyone knows he'd need to hide in another country. Again, because they all got 10 years and about, but they have other associates who are free as soon as he gets out of prison. And that it's not safe for him in the US. So basically, he wants to resume his career, but then. Yeah, people are sort of speculating if he's gonna go to UK or Europe or even Asia to perform. Honestly, I, I know maybe UK will not have you. UK will not have anybody <laughs> very soon. Uh, shots fired at Brexit. Uh, this is not that kind of podcast, so uh, let's move on quickly, quickly. I mean, I don't know if Mexico is on his radar, but if his family, I mean, his family is from there. So that might be a possible viable option. So now we are going into like the background to understand his gang days and like how big he actually was before his imprisonment, like how his gang affiliation escalated. So I already from the trial, what um, you probably understood is that this was not his first one with the police. It actually started from early days. But focusing on the gang days and the most important events that marked this and sort of uh, accumulated the charges against him, there was the event from 2015 that was when they went to um, a trap house in Harlem to shoot this footage for a new video. But instead, him and his associates ended up making a series of sex tape and one was showing a nude young girl lying across their laps and then the other one's showing Danny like smacking her ass 
and then he posted that on Instagram, he was tagged in it, so his associates posted that on the socials and he was tagged into it, in it, and then he reposted it to his own account. So soon he was gonna find himself obviously talking to um, the NYPD because actually her mother saw the video, just he mentioned, just like, fucking family sees this and you're like, great, stand no chance because you shouldn't fucking be doing this and you should ask how old the girl is in the first place. And the girl was 13 years old, so he was arrested, his bail was sent to 100,000, the sum that he could not afford at the moment, so he spent the next few months in Rikers Island jail. Isn't Rikers Island like the one that's really mentioned on SVU? Is it? So it is New York, right? I said, oh shit, email me guys. So he was then conditionally released because he pled guilty to use of a child in a sexual performance. Not good to have something like this on the record. I mean, not that it was ever great culture to have this showcased, but it was, it's definitely not now. That's the thing, I think like the rappers and the musicians today, especially like from what I've seen in this case, don't necessarily understand that you can't do what, I don't know, 50 Cent used to do back in the days. Because back in the days, there was no like explosion, nothing would go viral. Internet was really new. Even if you were to post something on the very first days of YouTube, you're not playing viral, it's nothing to this extent. So you know, you would be somebody on the street, you would have a beef squashy there, you end up dead or alive, that's it. Like right now, there's protests every day, there's movements every day. If you commit something like this, young or not, you are in the heat with the media. You're not getting off your sentence easily. So again, because he was young, he was spared the sex offender registry, he was given like a series of requirements that he needs to meet. So obtain his GEDs, avoid getting arrested, write the girl and the family letter of apology, complete three hours of community service, and attend a mental health treatment. If he was to do all of this, then he can avoid jail time, stay off the registry permanently. But, of course, this guy just continues to make more excuses. So he is just still out of prison now, but he is saying that he was at the wrong place at the wrong time. Now that this girl said that she was 19. And obviously just, you know, like, no responsibility for his actions whatsoever. And just showing himself as a victim, rather than actually acknowledging that somebody else was more affected by this. He even makes comparisons uh, between himself and Meek Mill because Meek Mill spent like 10 years on probation and served multiple jail sentences because of one drug charge. So it's like, there's only one thing, let's move on, I'm the victim here. Does it work, May? It cannot last forever. It's like such early offenses, but it's when math like doesn't make sense. It's like when, how did you get to these conclusions, Danny? You know in school and they're like suddenly they're like, okay, you have three apples and then you have five pears. How much fruit do you have? And the next question is like, if the car is going at 80 kilometers per hour for half an hour straight on a hilly road, what's the ratio between apples and pears that can fit into a car that can arrive to like this factory? Like, what are we on about? <laughs> Daniel, por favor. 
also it's just the inflated sense of self it's just so present it doesn't allow him to actually like come to the conclusions that everybody else has come arrived to of course he's just like i'm not going to comply to any of this because it's me who is the victim like why are people not writing letters to me right now it's been like his career and his identity starts to to come out as well because he thinks now he's like when he thinks he's tough like he's actually involved into something serious right he is like trying to create his own identity for music so this is when one of his biggest hits was released so gamma was released the same month as the me too movement emerged and so now as i was saying nobody anywhere was willing to normalize the convicted underage sex abuser it's kind of like this video representing the gang and just shot on the streets of New York, but he struggled to get any airplay or TV appearances. So now he has the problem where nobody actually wants to work with him. So he found a producer called Grange that actually said that he didn't know about the charges, but he doesn't regret signing with him. The way this producer again describes him is just like what plays into that part of the personality and what they use in court again. And he said the definition of a star is when someone walks in the room and they brighten up the room. It's the energy they give off just because like somebody is famous for. This is the artist, is a star, like we are denying them of the talents that they have. How many people can we think of that got away with this? So now we are moving on to summer in 2017. He is, this is when his video for Gamma actually shows up and it would just immediately go viral and make him into a star but eventually come to ruin his life. So this is when people familiarize themselves with his rainbow hair, with his multicolored teeth and this is when he removes his bandana and he shows the most recent tattoo that's on his face and it is displaying the number 69. So this is sort of like the no turning back point. He's shown the world who he really is. 6-9 was mysterious. It was the sex number obviously, but in its interlocking yin-yang digits. And then he had found something deeper that he never fully explained. What he said is, I never lost sense of where I came from. That's what makes me 6-9. The true meaning of 6-9 is just because you're right doesn't mean I'm wrong. You just haven't seen life from my perspective. Turn the 6 upside down, it's 9, but remains the same in a different perspective. Open your mind and heart. Sort of deep? S sort of. <laughs> I have never heard anybody explain a number that's associated to a sex position in this depth. I mean, everybody nowadays wants to experience, you know, a bit of fame, they go viral, they just start, like, thinking they're the shit, right? How many people doing, like, how many YouTubers, miners, social media celebrities do we know that just start doing this? But obviously, this guy is in the gang, so it's kind of more violent, right? So now he has seen the response to like social media provocations. He sense like he can, you know, build a larger audience. You know, whatever you think about his music, whether you think he's gifted or not, he was a lot better at trolling. <laughs> he was sparing nobody. So he had beefs or like people that work with him or, you know, producers that work with him or like other rappers. And then he also went like famous, like he had beefs with the game. YG, different rappers, like only people that sort of had his back were Kanye of the West and 50 of the Sense. <laughs> 50 actually gave an interview where he called Akashi king of New York. This is again where what we see is somebody who just 
it's just so absurd to me because obviously it happens so often nowadays with like the social media stars but when it is on this level i'm just even more baffled it's like you know when you're a normal person right and you are to apply for a job you don't aim for something that's unachievable you know <laughs> you're not out there like going for i don't know the director position where you are at like i don't know associate level or you know you go and then you get disappointed but it's nothing like the level at the level of the internet where people just shoot for it they have no fucking clue how to deal with it because they're striking up beefs with people who are like 10 times more famous than them and then they get all the fucking hate like why did this again i'm not encouraging crime which i don't know why i have to explain but focus that's against it but you know if, if you are planning to rob a bank the essential requirements should be you you walked into a bank at some point yeah <laughs> like you know how a bank looks like if you if you're calling out somebody for a fight that's about 10 times more famous than you start from the ground zero like start from people who you know and see test the grounds mate can you can you survive can you do it without the gang behind you or does the gang actually play this crucial part in your life? I love how I constantly focus on the most important bits of the story. Okay, so in, you know, so 2017 to 2018 before his arrest was when he actually did get some fame and he was quite big just before the imprisonment. So in 2018, in September, so just two months before his arrest, he actually performed at uh, Jay-Z's Made in America festival. He was making collaborations with American artists. So he was living his best life in a way. Like Kanye West visiting him in a studio. But remember the part where a few years ago, in 2015, he has been given some conditions to comply with. And those conditions have had an expiration date. And he shouldn't have aligned more offenses to those conditions, right? Because, again, logic... Like, stay out of trouble, don't put more stuff in, into the mix. 2018, he gets arrested three times before he actually ends up in jail. So first was driving with a suspended license, then it was assaulting a police officer, and then it was in connection with an assault in a mall where he allegedly choked a 16-year-old who was taking a picture of him. Again, if you cannot handle the fame, mate, deal with it differently. You can't have it all, basically. In Serbia, we have this <laughs> expression that says, like, you can't have a billy goat and the money. Just, <laughs> just, you can, you can tell it's outdated, don't you? It's like, yeah, if you pay for a billy goat, you don't have the money anymore. And if you want the money, you know, you don't buy the billy goat. Very important for me to, to familiarize you with other expressions in different languages, right? That's why the, the podcast title is an expression now. I We get to this motives by all means necessary, guys. In the meantime, you learn other expressions in different languages. <laughs> so obviously these arrests violated the terms of the plea deal in his sex tape case. Also, he uh, failed his GEDs, so he like complied with no fucking terms that were given to him in 2015 and that uh, his sentencing he played like he pleads for mercy for clemency but the prosecutors asked for at least a year in prison again here the judge spares him incarceration and instead gives him like four years probation 
but like the condition is don't get arrested again and don't associate yourself with any known gang members. Now this is when they go out to celebrate, person gets shot, everything goes to shit and escalates and he stands no chance. He needs to turn against his gang members to save his own ass. So now that we have all that, that led up to the court, let's discuss his childhood in order to understand why a gang affiliation in the first place. Okay, baby Danny, baby Danny. So baby Danny, he was born in 96 in Brooklyn, New York. His mom is Mexican, his father was Puerto Rican. So in early 2010, when he was 13, his adoptive dad was shot and killed outside their apartment. So his adoptive dad actually invited Danny to come along to a grocery store, but Danny decided to stay at home and the crime was never solved. So again, here I think like what we can see is the triggers, but also probably some form of guilt that yeah, he either wasn't there to prevent him or he wasn't there to, to die with him in a way. It's the survivor's guilt as always, especially when the crimes don't get solved. You don't actually understand what happened, but you know, well, you think you could have either prevented it or you wouldn't be alive surviving it. And then obviously he starts acting out for real, he gets expelled from school, and he would repeatedly get sacked from his jobs, so um, he resorted to selling, selling drugs on the streets. So even as a very young teenager, like, he would get arrested for selling heroin on the streets and in front of the store and beating up the store owner. And again, because he was a minor, he would escape a long prison term. Like, his very early music, like his song called Scum Life, where he explained that scum actually stands for Society Can't Understand Me. Honestly, I, I love this acronym. <laughs> as, as a person who renamed the podcast BAM, I stand for this, okay? And he said that, like, the point of this song and the point of his gang affiliation is that he refused to wear, like, branded clothing, like Supreme, so that he would appear relatable to the kids that can't afford designers, you know, the underdogs in the street. He was building his own world, hence, you know, the hair and the teeth and the tattoos and the image. And yeah, he was acting like as a protector of these kids, of these poor kids in the neighborhood. As noble as it seems, it's, you know, once we know where he pushes it, that it becomes questionable. Because it's all great, like, yeah, you're playing the Robin Hood for the street kids, but then you don't understand that everything you are doing is because of the triggers in the past and now, you know, you're not showing these kids that you are a reliable character. If you're already playing a dead figure, like, are you playing the dead figure these kids want you to be? Or are you playing, you know, the dead figure that you based on your past? So this was his life before the charges. And as we can see, survivor's guilt, like his dad getting killed, his biological dad abandoned them. When they were kids, everything like sort of played one after the other as triggers for this guy to look for, well, whatever he considers a stable family to identify with through his brand, through his image, and you know, for somebody to like stand behind him and support him. And well, I guess in his head, the more people there are, the less chances are that they're all going to abandon you in a way. That part is pretty sad if you try to think about the psychology of it. So, plan on a shitty note today. Let's discuss the motives. Okay, so here I think you can split it in two parts. So one would be either that it was poverty motivated, you know, he saw himself as the savior for the family, for anybody else that he saw as, you know, a replica of him. 
So for any kids in the neighborhood that he saw as himself and he identified with. Or you can say the motive was purely inspired by fame, and which is, as I mentioned, very applicable to this generation, you know, where notoriety is seen as a must. So where in the past you would see rappers previously earning notoriety, you know, without the public eye, or even if they were getting involved in criminal activities, you know, so even if you think about serial killers, you know, they wanted to be the first person to do certain crime or the one with the most amount of victims, you know, and wanted to get notorious in that way. It was on a different level than it is today. So you can see him as a confused child of the internet who moved to stardom, but he failed to understand where the theatrics were actually supposed to end. So I have no doubt that this would have been two very different stories if A. He was from a well-off family and had like no prior record, you know, had a stable childhood and then possibly it was like even if he was involved in a gang then that would have started off from like clean slate, okay, it's your first time in court and you're 22. Okay, let's look at that that way. You know, like, hey, maybe you have innocently gotten yourself involved with a gang, okay, you want, you know, to succeed, and hey, this is your neighborhood, right? But this guy, his head, like, has piled up offenses throughout his childhood, teenagehood, and then, like, after the age of 18. That plays already differently to how people are going to see him in trial. Or, B, if he was social media famous, but again, he, like, had no gang affiliations. So if he only chose that path instead, and possibly, you know, waited a couple of years for the social media to rise to, like, 2015, where it was, you know, it's just... That's what pains me in this story. Notoriety, which I believe was more prevalent of the motive. Like, if he only waited for a few years until, yeah, he was just 18 and above, he could have gotten viral and everything. Yeah, if he had just been satisfied with that, yeah, maybe Daniel Hernandez would have never been Takashi 6 9 Maybe he would have been just a TikTok person. But that was never an option, was it? Because he wanted to be different. And everything has changed that day when he removed his banana and showed off his his tats. He apparently has, by the way, 200 of tattoos in number 69. That's some serious commitment, okay? D- do you ever commit? Are you committed to anything the way this guy is committed to a number? Are you even committed to your zodiac sign in this way? Probably not. So that has been the case of the Kashi 69. Ripped from the headlines, guys. I just went for it. And uh, what do you think the motives were? Hit me up on um, either on Twitter, thatbampod, or podbam at gmail.com. Let me know what you think. Was it, was it childhood dynamics? Or was it just that he wanted to be famous? And that was it, and no background would have prevented that. The sources for this podcast have been Washington Post, Vulture, Wikipedia article on the trial of Nine Trey Gang, BBC article Takashi Rapper sentenced to two years in prison, Rolling Stone, and Billboard. As mentioned, I was going to recommend a podcast that you should listen to that covers this in a much more de- detail. And it's done by Angie Martinez, who interviewed him multiple times, and, you know, interviewed like his associates, his family. So it's called Infamous, the Takashi 69 story. I'll post a link in the description below. So it's that kind of like podcast which has like only 20 minutes length. It's just perfect. It's just, yep, straight to the point. This is where we're coming this week. This is it and follows, yeah. 
rise of Takashi and yeah, everything that I've covered today, like actually in depth and uh, you know, not like and not like me making it for five year olds. Now on to some recommendations that are not a true crime. Unbelievable, guys, unbelievable. As you might or might not know, I subscribe to insane, insane amount of uh, newsletters. Like I get over a hundred a day. That's not even. It's more than a hundred. Anyways, they're not all true crime because uh, I am somehow not a psychopath. A lot of it's just weird shit. Get on to the point. So there's this one that you know I discovered actually. That I have subscribed to a while ago and I thoroughly enjoyed, but now it actually brought me another recommendation. And you know when when you're just like there was a point of subscribing to this newsletter. It wasn't just it's just you were just a gift that keeps on giving. So it's called Sketchplanations. It's by this uh, guy that you can actually also support on Patreon, you know. You look at what I'm giving you. Gifts. Support me on Patreon, support others on Patreon. So it's by John O'Hay. He is actually doing this from London, <laughs> which I didn't know. Okay. So he usually he sends you out, so he doesn't spam. He sends out a sketch a week and explains like one thing a week in a sketch. So it can be anything from like colors of the leaves uh, to like how noise circulates in the room or like how if you're late for a meeting, how many minutes have you wasted of everybody's time. It's literally random, but it's amazing. So it's like a little sketch and then like explanation of it, a suggestion of where he found it or where you can go to get like any further information. The stuff that you never knew that you wanted to know. And then in last week's one, so what he sketched was why the high frequency of, you know, thunder, for example, like rumbles differently depending on where you're standing. And I was just like, huh, interesting. And then he recommended like that he learned this from a book by Randall Monroe that's called How To. Of course, I lined that up on my audiobook thing. And well, now I am just listening to it and it's beautiful. It's just like my complete disconnection to true crime. I'm just listening to weird stuff like, hey, how would you fill up um, a pool with cheese if you were going to? <laughs> or like, what drink is best to hydrate on in the case of nuclear explosion? And I'm like, I totally don't need to know this, but I love it. It is just the best fucking thing. It gives you material for like weird facts to say at house parties. <laughs> Don't you just want to invite me to a house party now so I give you some weird ass shit? Weird ass information. So, yes, that's a definite, definite recommendation, right? And you know what? I wanted to end this episode on. Of course, it's a weird note. Of course, it's yet another weird thing. As you guys know, because I share this shit with you, because I have a platform to share anything that I want <laughs> with the audience. I was doing the no bread January, followed by no sweets February. You know, every time I like crave one or the other or whatever I'm denying myself for that month, I just think about stuff that I just don't have any temptations towards. And I just feel like, I feel like that was my discovery of the week. I was like, I actually feel so proud about this. It actually came after, you know, watching those YouTube ads that just line up and don't let you to come to the actual video for like a month. <laughs> Slight exaggerations, like five to ten seconds. Slight exaggeration. But you know, it would just be showing like poker games or like, hey, gamble here, like to win this prize or play this addictive game that celebrities are playing. And I'm just like, this does not relate to me on any level. Like, I do not understand. I'm like, 
people actually fall for any of this. But not in a way that I don't understand how somebody might get either addicted or, you know, they might have, they might start their obsession. But I feel like it comes from that place where I just feel this is so great that I feel absolutely no attachment, no temptation, nothing. And I'm like, how many more things are there in life that, you know, can just be thrown at me? I'm like, no, why would I play poker? Why would I ever learn this? What's it going to bring me in life? Like, why am I gonna get addicted to this game and then play it for like hours and hours and then every day? Don't get it. So, uh, moral of this story, <laughs> find what that is for you. Maybe you loved both of these things and you're like, yeah, that, that's not it. But unlike you, Maya, I'm not fucking dependent on bread. <laughs> and good for you. Do you not like caffeine as well? Are you a little baby psycho? Let's just, let's just discuss that. You don't like caffeine and you don't like bread. What is wrong with you? <laughs> this is ultimately a platform where you can share this with me and then I can call you out on it, okay? So think about that. Yeah, let me leave you with that. Think about what it is for you. What has no power over you. And be happy that you discovered it and like, yes, this is my shit. Feel free to share it with me, guys. You know, share, share motives behind crimes. But also, yeah, share... Uh, Share what you will never get addicted to, because that's exactly the material we need for this podcast, okay? So, you know where to find me, the links are in the description. It's deadbampod on Twitter, podbam at gmail.com, because I'm a five-year-old, and deadbampod on Patreon. And after this episode, you can go to Patreon, February has one normal size episode, and then four mini ones. This week's one is just going to be bloopers, because there's a lot of them. And I'm saying weird shit that I actually somehow in my head need to cut out because they're somehow not appropriate. Which is weird because I literally leave everything in. <laughs> so if you want to know what content doesn't actually make the cut to, to appear in the main episode, head there. But yeah, until then, keep making the world a better place, one motive at a time. Bye guys! Bye! Adios fuckers!